Hi, everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to apologize for the gendered language we use throughout the pregnancy and birth episodes. We know that non-binary, genderqueer, and transgender people can also get pregnant and give birth. The way we talk about it is a relic of our training, and we're trying to do better. So we're sorry if we hurt anyone through our carelessness. Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not... I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Docs Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. In this episode, we're going to talk about the 1999 classic film, The Bicentennial Man, originally because we wanted to talk about robots. But we're actually talking about organs instead, as in, why does a robot need organs? Too long didn't read, it does not. We will cover mechanical gaps. Miracle anti-aging fluid. And how to grow a heart. Enjoy! Okay, Deepa, let's go to rounds. All right, so today we are not talking about vampires anymore, which... Yes, we are done with vampires vampires for the moment. Well, for now, that's true. (laughs) Um, And we are going to take a sharp turn and talk about something totally different, um, which is robots, kind of? Maybe like artificial organs, all stuff like that. But the thing that inspired us today was, um, well, like most of our inspirations, it started in one place and then like 15 steps later ended up someplace else. But that's fine. Um, And (laughs) hopefully some of you who are listening are familiar with the film Bicentennial Man uh, released in 1999. Um, And Mm -hmm. we uh, it's a movie that I remembered um, as we talked about like coming up with some kind of robot related episode but um it's a movie it stars robin williams and we're going to use it to kind of go over like tissue engineering artificial organs like cool stuff like that all right yeah and originally i think we were going to talk about other aspects of robots and then we were like no actually we're just going to talk about artificial organs because there's also a lot there already it's way a lot and then just sidebar Bicentennial Man is also based on an Isaac Asimov novelette. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the same name, but I think there was also a short story called something else. But um, and Isaac Asimov, as you probably already know, is also responsible for like the three laws of robotics and and kind of set the tone for how a lot of people actually still think about robots and androids and like what makes them human or not human and that kind of thing right and so that's kind of what we're gonna he's get like into. an og he's not like just some random guy he like created a lot of the would you say like cultural consciousness of like robots and artificial intelligence i don't know enough of the history of that period to, to necessarily say i mean but like he is referenced even now by like artificial intelligence textbooks and they use the the laws of robotics basically um as like a framework for how they think about some things and you know there are a lot of problems with asimov we don't have to get into it but he did like <laughs> let's just he is responsible for a lot of this there are a of... lot of problematic people <laughs> that created things and continue yes. to create things that yes we've talked about and we'll talk about but here we are 
Um, yep. So Bicentennial Man, though. So this movie came out in 1999, and I believe my recollection is that I watched it on a plane. Um, I think I watched it at, like, someone else's house at, like, a sleepover or something. It is a greater than two-hour-long movie, so I don't even know. So I must have been on a plane to watch it. Um, <laughs> and it's a Disney movie because I do also remember that it was advertised a lot on the Disney Channel. And another, like, pop culture crossover moment was, do you remember those Pepsi ads with the little girl with the curly hair? It was, like, kind of. there were these ads where... Um, she would like drink the Pepsi and then she would be lip syncing to like some really deep man voice. And it was like this whole, it was like yes. a series of ads. Yes. Yes. yes she I do is in this, this movie. <laughs> so oh. yeah, that was like, this was like her big, she like went from those Pepsi ads to like being in a Robin Williams movie. Well, good mm -hmm. for her, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what happened to her after that. Anyway, so <laughs> Bicentennial Man. So brief plot summary. Okay, Robin Williams. He plays what is a uh, robot named Andrew. And Andrew is a robot that is like purchased by this family. He's like part of a line of robots that were like created to be house assistants, essentially. Like butlers, whatever. They do things for you. Like they cook and stuff like that. So for like the yeah. first, I don't know, third of the movie or so, maybe more than that, it's Robin Williams in like a robot costume. The thing about right. the thing that's different about him is that he starts to feel like emotions that they like think is right. A they glitch. notice they notice that he like seems to feel bad for like the kid whose name I forget when it's the Pepsi something girl. first breaks. Isn't it the Pepsi girl? Yeah. yeah. And then um, and like make something for her. And then he also like seems to display creativity. And so they're a little bit like, huh. That's unusual. They're like, that's weird. That's not supposed to happen. And I was like, guys, you like accidentally created like an emotional being. Like maybe focus on that instead of being like, yeah, we someone need to needs to go report this to that company and right, be like, exactly. Yo. <laughs> so I think what happens in the movie is that originally they're like, oh, just send him back. But then the family, the patron, which also is like, if you know now that your robot has emotions and stuff, I feel like being like, oh. Let's send him back is a terrible reaction to that. Well, I think, no, I think the company is like, send him back. Oh, the company wants to recall him? Right. The company wants to recall him, but the family is like, well, now he's like part of our family. So they are like, no, 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 we're going to like keep him or whatever. Sure. So what happens to Andrew over time, though, obviously, like the family gets older, but he doesn't because he is a machine, um, which machines do degrade but that's fine neither yeah, here I mean, nor there can, and yeah. <laughs> he starts to be like you know what i like i just want to like he has this desire to be like more human and so he finds the son the son of the guy who like owns the robot company um he's also an engineer and his name is rupert um and he is somebody who has like uh, who works on these robots to try to like is very interested in kind of like making them more human which is like a weird interest to have but anyway so andrew goes to rupert and is like i want to be more human and so then they go through like a series of things to try to make him more human and that's like what we're gonna go over today right yeah right which is just an interesting thought because it's like you know most of what we do in medicine is like if some things aren't working in the human body, we try to figure out if there are mechanical things to do to replace it, <laughs> you know? Right. 
Whereas like this is the opposite of that. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot to talk about, right? Like about this, even outside of the, if a company has somehow figured out how to make like indestructible, undegrading robots, like that's already a thing that's kind of like. Good for you guys. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's, that's really impressive. Yeah, seriously. Um, And then there's the whole like, you know, does adding skin and giving something organs make it human like what makes a human because the Jen, thing that let's made, talk made about him it right human <laughs> really like up top is the fact arguably is like the emotions and the creativity and and like all of that kind which of stuff it which is, is incredible what, that they accidentally made this like i feel like yeah, they did like somebody not, needs to go examine that code and figure that out over the fact that they accidentally created like a consciousness you know right. anyway Anyway, so the let's talk about that, what Rupert does to Amber. <laughs> so the first thing is that he, they they really focus on the look, which I think ultimately like yes. makes sense, right? Because like you hired Robin Williams to be in a movie. You want Robin Williams's face to be in the movie. So like right. I, I understand the desire to like get to the look first. Um, so he says uh, there's this whole scene where he's like, I figured out how to like give you a face. Um, and the way that he does it is like the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So he does this demonstration where he has like the, uh, sort of bare robot head on this like thing. And he literally takes, um, sort of like a flesh color, flesh colored putty, I would say. Yeah. It's the consistency that has kind of, of like, like a flubber looking texture. Yes. It's like a yeah. little bit, it's a little bit stretchy and it's a little bit, uh, gooey also. And he just like holds it in his hand and he literally just like slaps it onto this robot face. And then he just kind of like massages it around really aggressively yep. for a while. And all they and then keep he moves doing, out of the way. He moves out of the way. And you're like, and it's oh, it's like, Robin Williams. It's like a man's face. <laughs> and he just like. With wrinkles and everything. And you're just like, okay. Well, he just like, it's funny because the way that they like do the scene is you just see him just kind of like smashing the putty around and then they just keep cutting back like they just cut away and they cut back and it like looks more like a face then they cut away and they come uh-huh. back and it like looks totally like a face so yep so his they've come up with some he's basically come with some kind of material that like starts out as a putty and then becomes like actual skin which i would say that and like potentially like all of the subsequent layers because this face has like a lot of structure to it. Yeah. Like it has to have like stuff to make it move. Like the complexity yeah. of like what, cause the complexity of your face obviously is really intense because High. it's not just <laughs> yeah. like, it's not just like the skin that's on your arm. Like, it, like let's say the skin on your arm does a lot of stuff, obviously like it has hairs and it's whatever, but your face has all of your like expressions. <laughs> it's attached yeah. to so many. There's things. so many muscles. There's all these like, really complicated muscles. Because if you think about like nerves. the robot face to start with, right before they change it into Robin Williams's face, yeah. it has very minimal expressions. Like it has a mouth and eyes and whatever. Because it basically as has humans, a mouth and eyebrows, have to make and that's it. Look like humans, yeah. but like for him to make something that would allow the full range of human expression is like a lot less trivial than they made this look. Right, exactly. And I mean, and all he's really doing is like slapping a putty onto the robot face. So it would, in truth, would probably just look like a face where only the mouth and eyebrows move, which is like creepy AF. And arguably, like, again, when we're asking like what makes something or someone human, the skin is for other people, 
Right. Right. Because if Robin Williams already feels like a human and acts like a human, etc., like the skin is for other people to treat him as a human. It's like asking it's not other really people f- to relate to him as a human. Right. Right. It's like something that we do as people in order to relate, not something that inherently like this robot needs to be a person. Yeah. Right. So then moving forward from this like skin thing, which the skin, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about how complex the skin is to begin with, like back in our burn episode. Um, Right. And it is like obviously the, you know, largest organ in your body and all that kind of stuff. So he has to do the skin to his whole body also. The next thing he does is they are like, okay. Well, he does work close. I mean, he does work. You know that. That's fair. Um, uh, So then his Andrew, who is Robin Williams' idea is that he he just really like wants to become a human. And this translates into I want to have human organs in my body to replace like the like whatever is on the inside of him, which to me right. would just be like, like a series of like exactly? circuit boards <laughs> and like right uh like hydraulic joints and stuff like that. Like that's yeah, all I like, can really oh, we think want of. To replace my mechanical organs robot organs with human organs and i'm like what what but why why, though like what's the point he he says like he says a couple of things which is like um there's something they focus on which is like he doesn't have to eat because he's like a robot but he like wants to be able to and desire to eat so like you know just having a stomach and a mouth is not what like makes you need to eat right right? like Like, he's a robot (laughs) Someone needs to do, like, a software update on him if he wants right. to, like, experience hunger and, and need to eat and stuff. Right. Like, exactly. Like, there's, like, probably coding solutions to all of these things. But because of the – I think because of the visual of it, they went for, okay, we just need to give him, like, lots of organs. And the thing is that, like, sure. Rupert himself is, like, really interested in making artificial organs, but, like, making every artificial organ, not just, like... Literally every not one Not just, of like, them. making a, you know, making lungs or, like, making a kidney or making a heart or whatever. Um, and so he also wants to feel, like, sensations and all these kinds of things. So they have this... They have a couple of, like, really amusing scenes in this movie. So one of them is, like... Um, there's a scene where they talk about all the artificial organs and uh, Andrew just comes to Rupert with this like book of drawings that he like is like rifling through and Rupert's like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. How did you come up with this? And Andrew's just like, I downloaded a bunch of medical textbooks to my brain and um, and then he says, I just need you to fill in the mechanical gaps. And I'm like, what mechanical gaps? Like, right. first of what all, what are we talking about? I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about doing? Because honestly, your power to be able to download all these medical textbooks, like, why would you want to get rid of this power? Seriously. Like, I have dreamed of that, like, matrix power forever, where you could just, like, plug oh something gosh, into the I back know, of right? your brain and then just, like, know it. That's, like, ultimately <laughs> what they're talking about here. And so he shows him these drawings that look very much like... Um, like old school anatomy textbook drawings from like yep like the 1800s you know like when all they could do <laughs> in medicine was like draw things whereas like now we have like photographs and stuff but like back then like being able to yeah, draw like all the natural history il- illustrations exactly so there's these like really complicated yeah. drawings but when you like look at each of the drawings it actually doesn't look like anything like the brain one it like doesn't even look like a brain it's just kind it's of like it's also like he doesn't need a brain like <laughs> exactly right because he has brain. his robot processing 
whatever, like his hard drive and his CPU and yeah. all that stuff is somewhere in there. It seems like so ultimately like he went to like the wrong type of engineer. Here? He like went to a mechanical engineer when what he needed was a software engineer. Yeah, 100%. I mean, granted, that would make for a less interesting, probably, like, scene. Yeah, to be, like, um, somebody sitting at a computer and just being, like, do 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 <laughs> Now you have sensation and hunger and emotions. Um, so, anyway, so what they do is he says, I need you to fill in the mechanical gaps. And then they go through this whole, like, there's a pan across, like, Rupert's lab um, where you just see, it's like a, it's like a very classic display in, like, sci-fi-ish movies of... Um, like artificial organs or something like that, where it's just like clear silver, clear tubes where things are just like suspended, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like some kind of like museum exhibit and you go across and there's like all of the organs are made out of some kind of materials that are like blue, clear and silver. So it's probably yep. like some variety of like some complicated like plastics and metal lights. Um, all that kind of stuff. And like blue. Gotta show off how, how mechanical everything looks. Right. And everything is like moving a little bit if it can. But like some things pulse that actually like don't move in the body. Um, and so they pan across. And so when I looked at this and we can put a link to the like actual scene because it's available on YouTube. I looked and I tried to identify like which organ was I even looking at. Um, mm-hmm. So the first one was pretty obvious. It was a set of lungs, two lungs. Mm-hmm. Um each connected by like a single uh, bronchus to each side. Um, and then it's kind of like blue and it kind of like inflates and deflates, which is like, okay, whatever. Which again, like, does he need to breathe? Like, why does he he's need to robot. breathe? Yeah, exactly. Um, he's like a vampire. Why does he need to breathe? He doesn't need to breathe. <laughs> he's a rock vampire. Why does he need gas exchange? Like, we need gas exchange for right. many reasons. What? But he what are is the a lungs robot. doing here? Um, then you like pan. What are any of these organs doing here? <laughs> exactly. That's really the question. I think it's honestly, it's just like the look. So then, so he then goes over. I think what I see like is like no a one's going to see it though. They're inside him. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> he needs to know that they're there. So, um, so then there's, I think there's like a liver, which is also another just kind of like blue, silver, clear thing. And then maybe sure. a bladder. There was like something that just kind of looked like a ball. And I was like, mm. is that a bladder? There's another like pulsy thing. And then there's like a really cute little set of kidneys that are <laughs> that basically look like the lungs, but just like way smaller. Yeah. Then they get to like the, P- the piece de resistance, which is I don't even know if I said that right. I don't think that's right at all. I have no idea. My Duolingo French has not gotten me far enough to know if that's the correct expression. I thought you were like number one on Duolingo I'm, French for a while. No, I was very... I was doing really well in terms of advancing through the leagues until I realized that there's a certain point where you can't advance anymore. And then I was like, okay, well, this isn't fun anymore. I still keep up the streak, <laughs> though, 130 some odd oh, days. Sure. Um, sure. Anyway, so they get to the artificial uh, heart, which is like a couple of things I noticed about this heart. First of all, it's like at, when, when you first see it, it's not moving or anything like that. But they're also just like working on it like out in the open. Like in the open air. And mm-hmm. when we talked about... I mean, he's a robot. He's a robot, so. true. But the idea is that like you're you're about to... You're, you're trying to make something that is going to... You're trying to make him more human, right? Which makes it so that he's going to be like more susceptible to infections, theoretically, with like Maybe. all of this stuff. So they're just like working out, out in the open, which I was like, I mean, it's not sterile. I don't love it. I mean, unless someone does a security update... He get viruses from the internet, but I don't know how 
other viruses would infect him. He's a robot. That's true. Um, and then they do the thing that like they love to do in movies, which is like either like zap the heart or like do something to make it just like <laughs> yeah. start beating. And then they yes. like make it work and they're like, oh, my God, like it's working. And I was like, well, of course it's working. You're just like inflating one like little sack of air and then inflating the other sack of air like it's going to work you know um outside mm -hmm. the body for sure um and then they go to the next part which is like they they're just like looking at some weird like hologram of like a brain with like a spine and he's like oh we're gonna make a central nervous system and just like casually talking about it and it's like do you know how hard that is yeah like what do you know how many nerves there are in your body? Like, <laughs> Dude, I don't know. There are so many nerves. What are we doing And, here? like, are you going to connect them? So the interesting thing about this is, like, I think the thinking of, like, what they're trying to do is very simplistic, ultimately. Right. Right? Because they're not thinking about, like, how all these organs interact with each other, which is, like, ultimately right. how a like, human oh, body works. like, if you have them in there... Yeah, like they you will just have to put them as in there. You're a human, and you're like, that's not really right. Like, it's not like he's organs work designing like a whole system. They're just like right. looking at individual organs. Yeah, they're and like kind of putting them together. Lungs. Humans have a heart. Humans have a liver. As long as you have those parts, like it's fine. And you're like, that's you'll be a human. Not really how that works. Yeah, and the way they, they, the what the explanation they give in the movie is that like he wants organs ultimately so that he can like kind of like degrade like a human would because he starts to get sad that like the people he loves like age and die and he doesn't which again it doesn't make any sense that he doesn't degrade anyway right like if anybody's bought a car like, you know that machines degrade <laughs> yeah so that's sort of what they talk about but we are going to talk a little bit about artificial organs because that is actually yeah, it did make a us think thing. about artificial organs yeah which yeah and it's fascinating like it's like really this cool whole science. field of artificial organs and regenerative medicine is like super cool. Yeah. And it's and, and it's kind of like I think it's what they were trying to do sort of in Bicentennial Man or at least yeah. the re the reverse of. Right. Um, the opposite. Well, they do make artificial organs. That's but true. They're but not for a human. For a robot. They're not to so. they're not to robotify a human. They are to humanify a robot. Yes, yes, which is definitely the less sensical direction to move. <laughs> not non-traditional. We're, we're talking about non traditional this. direction for the organs. Uh, so artificial organs. What is an artificial, artificial organ? Organs. So artificial organs, I mean, at base are basically it's some kind of device or tissue that's implanted into a person to replace, duplicate or augment slash enhance like the natural functioning of an organ so the goal is to restore function if it has been lost essentially um some people include like uh prosthetic limbs for example ah, in okay the category of artificial organs yeah um even though like you know in talking about it in medical terminology we wouldn't say like a leg is an organ per se but i think like they fall under this categorization yeah just in like, terms I guess of like functionally, what we're trying to accomplish right yeah and it's really interesting um, because it's like the idea is not it's it's basically your or some organ doesn't work like it's supposed to what can we make to make it work right. or to have the body feel like it's doing what it's supposed to be doing right to accomplish whatever it is that it that organ would be doing exactly if you if it worked properly yeah 
Um, and by definition, I think they say that artificial organs should not be continuously tethered to some kind of stationary power supply or require a lot of other resources. So that rules out like dialysis machines and like ECMO or extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, yeah. which is um, which are the machines that we've briefly talked about both of them in other episodes. Yeah. But they basically like a dialysis machine kind of replaces your kidneys and ECMO kind of replaces your lungs mostly. Um, right. And we can actually probably we should briefly talk about that because this is like probably our chance to say what exactly like. So what exactly dialysis does for you um, and why it's w- like how it replaces what the kidneys do, because your kidneys are a miracle. I think we've said that before. Right. We've said that the kidneys you are a miracle. You say this every episode about every organ that we talk That's about. True. So. That's true. But the kidneys are like, to me, I don't know what your feeling was, Jen, in med school, but the kidneys to me are like a black box where like a bunch of stuff goes in and somehow the right stuff comes out. Um, yeah. And your kidneys. That's accurate. The, your kidneys do a lot of basically what they are is they're like really complicated filters and your whole body like creates a lot of waste. Um, like doing all the things that it does and your kidneys take part not only in like getting out bad stuff but also doing things like it regulates your blood pressure it like makes sure that your electrolytes that need to be in a certain balance for like your nerves and your heart and like everything else to work properly it like makes sure that those are in the right balance Um, and like I said it prevents like the buildup of toxic things that can cause major badness and like even death. So if your kidneys fail entirely, then we tend, we put people on something called dialysis. And what dialysis actually does is there's like two main ways to get dialysis, but I'll just focus on one, which is literally taking blood out of your body, sending Mm -hmm. it to a machine that sends the blood through a series of membranes and filters to try to do what it is the kidneys do. Uh, yeah, and that's so, called hemodialysis. Yeah, that's hemodialysis. Hemo being blood. And so that takes out the bad things and then tries to get the good things to the right levels and then sends it back into your body. And so depending right. on like how bad your kidney failure is, some people have to either be like when you're really, really sick in the hospital, sometimes you have to be on it continuously. Um, and then some people that have like chronic kidney failure um, have to like come in for dialysis like multiple times a week and usually um, are like waiting a kidney transplant. And so the idea of a dialysis machine is that it's kind of just, it's like a, it's replacing what your kidneys do until either your kidneys recover from the thing that made them really sick or until you get a transplant. And if for some reason you're not a candidate for transplant, then you just have to like be on dialysis for a long time. And, and those kinds of things are not without their own risks and side effects and all those things. Right. Like if you're on hemodialysis, sometimes you have to have a long-term like central line or like an IV that's in your body. And obviously that's a huge infection risk. And there's also lots of side effects from just being on dialysis for a long time. Um, And then ECMO, I think we talked about uh, when we talked about Iron Man (laughs) originally, but an ECMO machine is similar. Possibly Darth Vader or both. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it was Darth Vader. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. But the idea of the ECMO is that it does the work of the heart and the lungs, which is like pumping blood into your body, literally, and then uh, taking out carbon dioxide and putting in oxygen. Gas exchange. Yeah. And that is also not a small task at all. And ECMO is not something that you can do for a long time. It's like a totally temporary thing. ECMO is not like an, not, yeah, it is definitely not an end state and that you won't, wouldn't leave someone on ECMO indefinitely, and people cannot be on ECMO indefinitely. No. It is, you put people on ECMO when they are so sick that they you need to essentially buy them time. Yeah, 
to figure out like how to see what if, else like, you can do if the thing that's making them so sick if, if it's going to recover right. if it's going to pass or right. whatever or to like bridge them to whatever the thing is that is going to yeah. help yeah like an artificial organ um right. so we, but those do not count as artificial organs right because they are large machines yes that are outside of your body that require power supplies other resources etc exactly so th- there are actual artificial organs and i decided that i would focus on artificial hearts because that is um that's your jam my jam obviously so artificial hearts are really really interesting so when we're talking about artificial hearts we're talking about a machine that is doing what the heart does that's actually like inside the body or um yeah that's like implanted in the body so it's I thought it was really interesting when I looked up like the history of it that the first artificial heart was in like uh 1937 in the Soviet Union of course they implanted it into a dog and it lived for like 5 hours which is like you know a, That was yeah. A lot and of things the are scientists like that. who did that who drew up the plans for this I think he was like early 20s like 20 something when he like drew up schematics for something that would potentially he was like Rupert in bicentennial man he was like i'm just gonna draw this thing and we're gonna make it as with many scientists of this time did a lot of other pioneering and extremely at best ethically questionable and more accurately probably unethical experiments (laughs) on animals and stuff yeah a lot of which had to do with like artificial organs grafting um he did like head transplants what between dogs and he has this one really famous terrible experiment where he grafted the head of one dog onto another dog how i don't i didn't want to look up the details of that (laughs) and then and then also like that dog i think lived for like a surprisingly long time like minutes Um, or like no like at least days if not like longer than that gosh which I was just like, this is dogs weird. have been very critical to the advancements in medicine. Um, like insulin was discovered uh, in dog experiments. <laughs> they did that for, with blood transfusions and stuff too. Yeah, and obviously the Russians and- didn't they send a dog into space? Yes, Laika yes. the dog. Yes. yes, yes. Anyway, so um, let's fast forward a little bit to the '60s, which um, was the first real clinical implantation of a total artificial heart. Um, and this was at the Texas Heart Institute, which is in Houston, which is probably, I would say, like the biggest and like most famous like heart surgery, cardiology like center in the country. Don't you think? Yeah, I think in so. terms of like advancements and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of like big milestones in just like cardiology in general. Exactly. In Houston. And so yeah. like they implanted a pneumatic artificial heart into someone. So pneumatic means, you know, like it 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 has like the pumps and everything and they implanted it into a person um for the purpose of like bridging him for a heart transplant and then they replaced it with a donor heart and it sounds like he he lived but not for like too too long but he did right. manage to live um and this was like back in the day when like i don't think they were keeping so much track of like how well heart transplants did because they were just like just barely starting to do them um but and they didn't know as much about immunosuppression and that sort of stuff as well. So like I'll give them a pass on that one. Um, but yeah, so they um, that was the very first time. So that was 1969. I mean that was like quite a long time ago. Um, then in the 80s was when the first sort of artificial hearts 
um, were like being designed for like a permanent implantation, like for somebody who say isn't a candidate for a transplant um, for some other reason. Um, and then I remember later on, I think it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, is when like this whole field like really blew up and there was like a bunch of companies that were making artificial hearts. Um, and there's like a ton, a ton that you can see. And the ones that I remember was, so I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky and the Abiocore artificial heart, the first implant was of, was in Louisville, um, is where they did it. And so it was like all over the news. It was a huge thing. And the Abiocore heart is like, it, it looks like what you see in Bicentennial Man. Like it's a heart that actually like looks like a heart. Um, I don't think it was, my recollection is that it wasn't pulsatile. So when you talk about like what the heart does, right? Your heart ultimately just like moves blood through your body. It moves it like from your body to your lungs and then like from your lungs to your body. Like that's all it really does. It's just a machine. And so you can either choose to keep it with that pulsatile motion that we have in our like natural hearts or there's no reason it can't just be like a continuous flow, which is the way like many. Right. Like if you're if you're making it, you don't have to keep with just at base biology it being pulsatile. Exactly. And it's pulsatile because muscle contraction works that way. Exactly. Right? And so like so. the way that a lot of our ventricular assist devices, which aren't technically artificial organs, the way that those work, some of them, it's just continuous. It's just like just moving like a motor like a hose, like water through a hose, um, versus, uh, having to be pulsatile. So the Abiocor, um, they implanted it in this guy and I think he ended up living like a month or something like that, which, you know, similarly, like at the time for the first go around, like I'd say pretty good. Um, and then there's also one that's called the Syncardia, which is also called the total artificial heart. And that one is, um, that one I think you have to have in the hospital, at least in pediatrics, not everybody's doing it, but this is one where they, the way that it gets put into the body is that like, so your heart's bad. Okay. It doesn't work. It's not, it's not doing anything. It's not pumping. So you literally actually sort of slice off the bottom part of the heart, like each ventricle, and then you attach to it these, um, uh, pumps actually that like suck the blood down and shoot it out. So it is, this one like really keeps with the like notion of what the heart is supposed to do. Um, and just literally replaces it. And it's like attached to a machine that gives it like its power supply and all that stuff. So that one is really cool to look up online. Um, and you know, just, you kind of probably never want to actually have it. Um, there yeah, are I don't think you want um, any of these things for older people. There's like a bigger size, uh, syncardia, um, that is hooked up to like a, an, a battery pack. So you don't have to like stay in the hospital if you have it. Um, I think the smaller ones are, you have to be hooked up to like this power supply that's in on like a little machine. But for the other syncardias, like you wear a backpack, it has a battery. It's the way that a lot of like vads ventricular assist devices work mm -hmm. so those are probably like to me those are like the big ones in terms of hearts and what like artificial yeah. organs actually are yeah and i mean the artificial organs are are interesting and people have done a lot of work in it but it's also one of those things that like organs are actually way more complex than you think on the surface like what we talked about with the kidney and dialysis oh exactly so so like the heart 
like as complicated as the heart is, its function is actually relatively simple. Yes. Like what it's doing is pretty simple. So in terms of like an organ that you can mechanically replace with something that people have made, like it has a pretty straightforward function and people have kind of figured out how to reproduce that. Yeah. And most of the badness that comes from it is actually just the badness from having to have machine in your body. Which is that like yeah. it makes your blood clot, it makes your blood do weird things. Yeah. Because well, your body is bleeding, like, like, there's a machine in here. Yeah. It's like, Get what it are out. we doing? I don't want this. Though your blood is like, hello, I'm not supposed to go through yeah. these materials. But a lot of other organs, um, it is harder to reproduce because like sometimes we don't even fully understand like all of the things that they do. So like kidneys, like they're they're working on developing like an implantable artificial kidney at UCSF. Mm-hmm which is pretty cool. But like people have talked about doing that for a long time and it's not something that is easy, right? Like none of these things are actually very easy to do. We've done, we've done things with like artificial limbs. You have like artificial corneas, things like that. Yeah. Um, but some of your internal organs are just more complicated and they're harder to replace, which kind of leads us into the other thing we're going to talk about, which is tissue engineering and regenerative medicine, Yeah. which is the idea that you're not... You're not using um, like mechanical and purely mechanical things anymore. Um, what you're trying to do is you're using like a combination of cells, engineering, and then like um, material science essentially to figure out like a way to replace biological tissue. Exactly. And, um, and they sort of get into this a little bit with Bicentennial Man like later on. Um, be- sort of. Because it's like arguably the skin thing is like, you know, that is uh, like tissue engineering on its own. Um, But the idea is like to try to make him even more like biologically human. This is I think this is what they were trying to do or like what they should have been talking about more. I don't know what they were trying to do exactly. But like (laughs) this would have made more sense in terms of like if they were trying to turn him into a human person. Yeah. Like this this is more the route they should have gone rather than just replacing all of his organs with like was inside with of like the play robot school versions with of mechanical his organs. organs for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So like tissue engineering is it's kind of a nonspecific term and it can mean a lot of different things. But similarly with artificial organs, like the goal of tissue engineering is to basically like make something that can restore, maintain or improve damaged tissue. Right. Or whole organs. And I think like you had some stuff about history. Yes, I had some stuff about history, here. which was mainly just that like it's it's kind of it's it's like an old field because it's a very broad like definition of what tissue engineering is. But even as back as like the ancient Egyptians who like makes sense, right? Like Egyptians were like very into discovering things about the body. I mean, they made mummies, so they like had to learn a lot about physiology and like what your body is made out of to like figure out how to preserve it in the way that they did um but they used to um they did a lot of things to graft like do skin grafting onto people um Mm -hmm. which is kind of in and of itself a sort of form of tissue engineering because the idea is that like something is either missing or has gone bad so what can you do to like promote the regrowth and refunctionality of that thing like in that place Right. That's ultimately kind of what tissue engineering is. So they used to do that. And I also learned when I was looking through this that the early Egyptians even like invented like sutures, like stitches out of like linen to like put these skin grafts together. And I was like, 
I mean, we don't learn that. They all were the scientifically time. advanced. Exactly. You know? you know, like we don't always learn that. We we have a very like Western focused uh, education about medicine and all that stuff. But like the Egyptians were doing a lot of stuff <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and then nope. uh, and then when you sort of like fast forward. So people have been trying to do this kind of thing for a long time. But similarly, like the way they think about it is like the way that they think about a bicentennial man, which is like a thing is missing. I need to replace it with that thing. Whereas like our modern, our more modern like science conception of it is more like I can do things to like, I need to do things to promote the like regeneration of like the biological material that was, that is doing a thing rather than just make it look like a thing. Right. You're not trying to replace it. Well, what you're, you're trying to replace it, but you're trying to replace it in basically a biological compatible, biologically compatible way. Yeah. Whereas like previously... And understandably, because they didn't understand as much as we do now about like the cellular. immune system yeah, and, and like the rejection and stuff like that. Everything. Yeah, like what you're trying, what you were trying to do is basically like, like for skin grafts, you were like, you're missing some skin there. Let's put something there to cover it. Yeah, because like because you know, we know the skin that would is be important. better than not. Um, but like, but now when we think about like skin grafts and stuff, they are even skin grafts are way more complicated than just like putting something there. Right. And covering it up. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff like thought that goes into it because because we have to think about things like rejection and immunosuppression and things like that. Um, And so ideally what you're trying to do is now like when we think about regenerative medicine is you're trying to replace ideally like organs or tissue or whatever with something that your body will accept. And ideally that is like grown or engineered from like your own, your own cells, cells right? So your body there. recognizes it yeah. as like itself yeah. instead of as foreign material. Yeah. In movies, they sometimes show things that I think are supposed to be like tissue engineering, um, which is using more complicated looking things like uh, almost like 3D printing a tissue, which is actually a thing that people have worked on um, is, a, is a lot harder to do. Um, and so there's not like a real like successful application of it right now. But like I thought about like that sequence. There's a sequence in the credits of Westworld where they literally show like them what looks like stringing like a tendon between like two joints to like build mm-hmm. the hosts or robots that are like in Westworld. Whereas like in what we do, like you said, was um, try to engineer tissues like in the place where they are to do what they do. So a big part of tissue engineering and like the like in what people are using now is and like the sort of way that we think about it is by building these things called scaffolds um and this is where all that stuff comes together with like material science and engineering and biology and cells and all that stuff which is like literally creating like a structure that's like microscopic so they're like nanostructures that you that they have to like some of the things that they do to make these are like really really cool like they program like bacteria to build these teeny tiny microscopic structures that they then can implant like in or around a damaged tissue and ask and by putting certain materials or like chemicals and stuff in it ask the body to regenerate the tissue right there which is like really really cool i think yeah Uh, and so like the idea of most tissue engineering is to use your natural biology to repair stuff at the cellular level. Also, it's like very, very hard for all the same reasons that you said, which is that you have to think about making sure that the new cells aren't going to be rejected by the cells that are already in the body. 
and uh, it has to be compatible, non-immunogenic. You have to think about like, you know, is a scaffold going to stay there forever? Is it going to go away? How do you how do you make it so that it doesn't go away too quickly? Or how do you make it so it doesn't stay around too long? It's all very, very hard. But it's also very expensive. <laughs> but it's a huge, huge, huge field of like bioengineering and material science and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And and they use scaffolds too, even outside of outside of like as a framework for your own body to create what it needs to create in the place where it needs to create it. They use scaffolds in the idea of like bioengineering organs, yeah. right? Because scaffolds are also um, basically like a framework on which cells can build potentially new organs, which is a whole other field in tissue engineering um, that is really fascinating that people are working on. And that's something that there's been a lot of really cool stuff done in. And it's important because like, as you probably already know, there are a lot more people who need organ transplants than there are organs available. 100%. So if, so if it was possible to like engineer organs, like biological organs and not artificial um, organs, that would be like amazing. That, that would, would be, be great. Then we would be able to, you know, have more to offer people and not yeah. have people. Also, everyone sign up to be an organ donor. Yeah. Check the, Just... check the box on your driver's license. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot of stuff in uh, biosynthetic organs, but a lot of the success has basically been in simpler. And again, we're using the term organs the way that they use it in artificial organs, where we're kind of talking about just like replacing a part of your body with right. something that functions that, that replaces or augments the function of that part. Yes. So most of the successes in biosynthetic organs have been in simpler structures and like tube or sac like structures <laughs> things, so like, like in tubes and tu things that are easier and that don't have like super complicated function right so like in Basically 2006 that for all example, they need to do is like get bigger and get smaller right and in 2006 like they there was a team that was able to basically make like bladder sacs so like mm. a bag from fragments of bladder tissue and actually transplant them and then in 2007 they figured out like biosynthetic cornea transplants that's pretty and good yeah, and there's like there's this one surgeon ENT from um, the University of Barcelona, mm -hmm. I think, who's done several transplantations with um, tracheas, like oh, biosynthetic yeah. tracheas. I've seen this. And he, uh, I think in 2011, successfully transplanted a completely lab-grown trachea into a cancer patient. That is so cool. As like, distinct from his previous successes, because his previously what they would do is they would tissue engineer a trachea but using like a scaffold made from a tissue donor. Mm -hmm. um, and this one that he did in 2011 had like an entirely new scaffold that was made from like a nanomaterial, like you talked about, and used stem cells to create the actual trachea. Ah. Um, so it was the first one that's like completely novel as opposed to requiring any kind of donation from any anywhere. Yeah. Um, and the stem cell thing is is interesting and also important because, like, in certain situations, like with cancer patients, you can't harvest right. that patient's cells from that organ, right? Because it, has, it cancer. has cancer. And so you don't want to Make transplant more cancer. more cancer into them. Um, Ideally. But, like, stuff that isn't like a hollow tube or a sac is obviously way more difficult yeah. to grow because a solid organ is like so many different types of cells and like such a specific organization in order for it to function properly. Like what we said with the kidney, the like very specific filtration that it does is 
due to a very, very highly specialized arrangement yes. of its cells. Uh-huh. And like that, is like that has to do with nightmares. like, yeah, that, oh my God, that's, <laughs> people spend so long studying that. But it basically has to do with like these tiny gradients, right, that are in your body yeah. and, and across fluids and stuff. And that is how your kidney functions is by like having these tiny gradients that it pays attention to. And like attention tiny, to like microcurrents of, of fluid. Like, like the way yeah, that fluid like, moves in between like a, like there's like a little literally like one layer thick one one cell thick layer that has like two yeah. currents on either sides of it that control how the kidney works and then there's like millions of these yeah and that's like that's like ridiculous like trying to grow <laughs> yeah that and the specific arrangement in which you would need it to be is is way more difficult. Um, and you need to actually also think about the fact that they don't think about in the bicentennial man, which is that, well, I guess we don't need to cause he's a robot, but you need like vessels, like blood vessels, yes. right? Cause you have to keep all of these things alive. And so even if you managed to grow a solid organ that did all of these things, if there was no way to get a blood supply to them, like it would just die right. the cells as soon would as die. you put it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so you have to basically be able to, do this process sterilely. Ideally, the tissue, the bioengineered organ has to be able to grow, right? If the patient is like a child. Yeah. It has like to, it in theory, be able them. to repair itself or your body has to be able to repair it. And it has to like serve the original function that it served. And like with those stipulations, it sounds like it would be impossible for anybody to do any of this. But people have done a lot of really cool stuff. Yes. Like there was a team at MassGen that was actually able to bioengineer a kidney somehow. Mm-hmm. And they transplanted it into a rat Great. and managed to produce urine. And it was not a lot of urine, <laughs> but it was like... But it wasn't urine. no urine. <laughs> like, it was still urine, which is really impressive. That and they were talking impressive. about how like, you know, to, to get placed on dialysis, I think your kidney function has to be something like less than 25% or something like that. Sure. And and they were basically like granted the function of this bioengineered kidney <laughs> is, is like qualified less for than dialysis. 25%. But if they managed to refine this, but if right, we put and get in it, 17 get you, of them. If you if you got up to the point where they did this, they figured out how to do this well enough such that your kidney function was 30% even or whatever the cutoff is, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um you could ostensibly get people off dialysis. That would be great right, if this was something that was available. I feel like people then, think a lot about when they think about tissue engineering like those pictures of like mice that have like a human ear coming out of their back. But like yeah. this is actually way cooler. Which is also tissue engineering. Yeah. But <laughs> um yeah, and then like they also have, you know, people have been working on doing the same process with like a heart like tissue and bioengineering a heart. Um, and the process that they've kind of come down to is basically using a scaffold from a different heart, usually. Mm-hmm. So, like, it could be a pig heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a human heart. Sure. Um, and what they have to do is they have to decellularize it, which means that they made this, like, special detergent solution that strips all of the cells from right. the scaffolding. The biological scaffolding of your organ is basically the extracellular matrix. So, like, collagen and, like, all of that stuff that isn't, you know, cellular material. Yeah. And that's, that's, like, the stuff that holds your organ together in the shape that it needs to be. And so they strip an organ of all of the cells and leave that behind. And then they have to add back cells, usually using a mix of cell types, mostly direct, like derived from induced pluripotent stem cells. IPSC. Um, Yeah. And then they like provide 
they try to provide the conditions for differentiation into the appropriate cell types that they would want. Yeah. Including like putting the whole thing so under like mechanical stress doing and me- like electrical human, signals. Trying to make using human cells and putting it into the scaffolding of a pig's heart to create yes. a human heart. Yes. Which I mean if that's not sci fi, like it's not even fi. It's sci real. Yeah, but doesn't it sound like sci-fi? Oh, like sure. 100% sci-fi? It does. It sounds like very, like, well-thought-out sci-fi. Right. I'm sure, like, that actually was in sci-fi somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. 100%. It has to be. Um, I mean, any opportunity then, to use the word detergent. Yeah. And then I also wanted to briefly talk about, like you mentioned earlier, 3D bioprinting yeah. is something that has started to be, like, a thing. not even started. Well, it's been around for, like, a little bit, like but it is so pretty recent. Well, now that 3D printing is, like, it used to be. Say that again. 3D printing is like so much more available than it used to be. Yeah, it's so much more available. And that's what, like you said, they were kind of doing, or at least what it looked like they were doing in Westworld for their tissue engineering. But the theory behind 3D printing is really interesting. And it's basically this idea that like, so the issue with bioengineering organs or tissues, like what we talked about, is like the arrangement of cell types is so specific that like, trying to get that precise arrangement by hoping for the best through like whatever conditions that you can apply in the lab to a bunch of cells mm-hmm. that need to differentiate is like the success rate for that is going to be relatively low. It's interesting because um, the success rate is pretty low, but it it's more interesting to me how high the success rate actually is sometimes. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's it's amazing that we've been able to do it, but like. Like, I always think about this when I think about, like, bone marrow transplants, you know, because the idea is that, like, you irradiate a person's bone marrow, you take the cells from the marrow out of another person, and you just inject it into the bloodstream. And those cells, like, know where they're supposed to go, technically. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think, arguably, and this is, like probably somewhat of a semantic argument but arguably that is easier because it is like then taking a bunch of stem cells and being like become a heart that's well fine like in in the correct arrangement (laughs) of muscles that you need to be in like be a heart now but i bet (laughs) i bet the fact that the bone marrow works is why people are like maybe if we just tell it to be a heart it will be a heart and it does actually, that works, yeah. right? Like some of the time. But the idea behind 3D of printing. What, most of what we have to figure out is to figure out what we need to tell it to become a heart. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we don't, the, the like, what your body is telling your organs, I guess, what the microenvironment is telling your organs when they're developing when you're a fetus, like we don't know how to replicate that exactly. And then like, if you're trying to make an adult heart, then there there is, like they said, mechanical stress etc because your heart has to be able to like withstand how much it needs to beat yeah and things like that and so like yeah but so the idea behind 3d printing is that if you have different cell types 3d printing would allow you to basically place the cells wherever you need them to be Right. right if you had the patterning then in theory you can just like print it in that pattern um and they've done a couple of things with 3d printing that are like ridiculous yeah i would argue that this is like miraculous but it's, it's also cool. just like people doing I think science I've seen um, go through the examples because i think i've actually seen a presentation on one of them okay well there's the 3d printed ears which we talked about like the ears that they've grown like tissue engineered 
on mice, like on the backs of mice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like 3D printed ears or like ear shaped cartilage that they've been using to. I always pronounce this wrong, but to treat microtia. I think it's microtia. It's sha, right? I'm not microtia. Sure. It's not mic- mic- <laughs> I, microtia, okay. microtia. I don't know. I just Which try to avoid saying like, it. Just means small ear or like it means or small like ear. It just basically means that your ear didn't develop, like yeah. the outside of your ear what people think of when they think of ears did Even not though, develop side note your ear is quite complicated on the inside are you gonna say it's a miracle it's not as much of a miracle as like your eyes are but it is also quite a miracle i mean it's still it's fluid in hairs if you want to talk about how and hearing also is very like but... pleasing shapes of structures like the Anyhow, structures okay, are that's anyway. a whole that's a whole different structure. it's art. that's a whole different conversation your okay. ear is art um anyway They've also done things like there was a baby in 2012 who had really severe bronchomalacia. Um, and malacia basically just means like floppy yeah. or like developed abnormal softness, floppiness. And during development, your airways, so your trachea and your larger um, airways like your bronchi can develop malacia because they are basically held open with rings of cartilage. Um, or rings of cartilage basically help keep those airways open. And so if you're missing those that cartilage or there's something like malformed or something right. with the cartilage, then you can have a segment of your airway that basically collapses every single time you try to breathe. Which is uncomfortable. And, and, and then, which is, <laughs> which is not great. Not good. And then, of course, like if you get sick, that's even worse. Everything gets worse. Right, because your airway is already stressed. And so like... It is just prone to collapse and it's bad. Yeah. Um, and so there were at the University of Michigan, they 3D printed like a bronchial sleeve. Yeah. After like doing a bunch of I imaging think this on this, is what I've on seen this baby. Somebody present about. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of like amazing. But they basically they 3D printed this sleeve and it was and this baby's bronchus was sewn to the inside of it mm-hmm. after they got emergency approval from the FDA. And then he basically was like, open. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like Amazing. And they were talking about how, like, so normally if your malacia is severe enough that we need to surgically inter- intervene, normally what we do is stents, which is basically like we put something inside your airway. And they're not to prop it amazing. Open. <laughs> but they're not great. And yeah. then, of course, if it's a baby, like they're growing. Yeah. So the stents can move and become dislodged and they don't grow, obviously, like with the child. Not that right. the sleeve necessarily is going to grow with this child either, but like. I mean, this is a better solution. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be able to stay around longer than a stent. Yeah. Um, and then the other two examples that I found that were like super fascinating, and I can't believe that people are doing this, is in 2018 at the Wiss Institute, which is in Harvard, a team managed to 3D print a tiny ventricle, basically, with yes, blood I've vessels that beat, yep. which is like, I mean, it's awesome. Give some people a Nobel Prize. Like, what are we doing here? Well. <laughs> and then in 2017, um, they also like, I forget, I did not write down where this happened, but they managed to 3d print an ovary that they implanted into sterilized mice and it restored ovarian function. See that and, is like, in this study, so cool. right? Like in this study, like three of the seven mice that had the bioprosthetic ovaries implanted had litters of babies. They are from just like, Northwestern. What? It is oh, in perfect. Chicago. And that's like. That's just so amazing. That like is, what people have managed to figure is out so is cool. just incredible. Yeah. This is just really cool science, I think. It is super cool science. I think like this is 
I, I think people should look up our links anyway because their this links are really interesting articles and stuff. The articles this are one not is have all a lot of links. scientific papers. Some of them are from like Scientific American and stuff you, like that. You should look at them anyway, yeah. even if they are scientific papers. <laughs> Although, um, as, you will, as we will see, sometimes scientific papers don't exactly hype the science as well as they could. Yeah. But this is definitely an episode where I'm like, go through our liner notes and like read some of these articles because this is fascinating. Look at the this pictures entire field except is for really that cool. dog head transplant thing. Don't look that up. That's creepy. But the rest of the pictures so are very, creepy. very cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. Right. I think that's all we have. Yeah. On tissue. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> on regenerative medicine. Yeah. Um, Should we go so to the resident let's lounge? Let's go to the resident lounge. Okay. Which is basically where we talk about random little things that we discovered um, during the course of researching the episode. And the first thing I just want to say, this is what Deepo is referencing, but I just made a comment in our notion where we keep all of our notes. I was like, these scientific breakthroughs are so incredibly amazing. And then you go click through and look at these science papers and they are so freaking dry that it just destroys me. I think because that, I'm like, like, ultimately all of these things, like anytime you have like a really interesting scientific paper, you need to hire like a science writer to like Seriously. write the companion piece to it to be like, okay, it's just like, we need to get excited about this. It's like a this. missed opportunity because I'm just kind of like, okay, so like for the thing that I just said about how, how the team at Harvard managed to 3D print a beating heart, <laughs> right? Like the title of that paper should be, we fucking 3D printed a beating heart, guys. Like there needs to be some enthusiasm. You don't think that, that biomanufacturing of organ specific yeah. tissues with high cellular density and embedded vascular channels is that, hype That enough? is what that paper is called. I'm like... Guys, what are we even doing right now? Oh my gosh. It does not match the level of enthusiasm that I feel like is required for what is being accomplished. You know what? Right I'm looking at this article right now. I think that my for my uh one of my sorority sisters from college is married to the first author. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. Well, good for him. He's a smart guy. Um I mean, clearly. Yes. All right. Yes. Scientific papers generally always could be better. <laughs> I'm just like, why is this terrible, terribly dry academic style what we settled upon? Yeah. Um, my thing for the resident lounge was kind of the thing that I like I could not get out of my head and how part of this episode yeah, even we came both to were be, just like, what which was that like in a lot of <laughs> movies, TV shows, things like that, where there are robots, they frequently give the robots like blood that like does something for them like you know like they they get shot and they bleed or and this is a big thing like that andrew wants like he doesn't want to live forever and so like he actually so he has some kind of like machine fluids which i'm assuming is just like oil and we stuff assume. like that um but he wants it to like he wants to turn it into like a blood equivalent which is ultimately like what happens and that that blood equivalent is gonna help him like artificially age over time like literally he asks for the blood equivalent and the rupert is like you realize essentially is like you realize this will make you age and i was like how but like why though <laughs> because then later on he goes and gives that he goes and speaks between before like i don't know some kind of space council is what it looks like <laughs> okay, because we're in the future it's now the or, future or whatever space council but like yeah. and he is older like yeah his, he, his, he, looks, he looks like an older like an man old and i'm like I'm like, your. how did this blood make this tissue that was just engineered and slapped and onto your robot tissue. face? Yeah, it's like get older. Goo. Like, I don't understand yeah. what blood is doing here. 
Because ultimately we were like, robots don't need blood, right? They don't have, they don't need to. No, they don't. They don't need to like send, they don't need their electrolytes to be a certain way. They don't need to do gas exchange. Like it doesn't matter how much carbon dioxide or oxygen is there. They don't need to and, like get rid of waste products. You know, like yeah, none like, of that is happening. So they, and, but they always like, put blood into robots. Oh, that also makes me wonder if that was just something, because I, I did not read the Asimov story, but I wonder if that was just something that was in there because like Asimov didn't know what blood did. And this is because this is another I, one of yeah, those yeah, things where we're like so. people want robots like being human means you have to have all the human parts and blood is like, you know, one of those. You're we right. talk about this in the blood episode where like everybody throughout history has always been like blood is life force. Blood is like That's has true. all these kind <laughs> of like blood is life. <laughs> blood is life. But I my question is if blood if replacing whatever fluid he has with blood equivalent makes him get older is that artificial fluid somehow halting aging? And how is Rupert not selling that? <laughs> right. Basically, Bicentennial like, Man should be called Missed Opportunities. Seriously, Rupert, what are you doing? Like the idea, Get yourself right, a PR person. Right, because then if you follow that, it's like, oh, that artificial fluid is making it so that his artificial organs will never go bad, which the main history of like artificial organs is that they tend to go bad quickly. Like we're not that good right. at making them. But the but like, whatever his natural robot fluid, all this stuff to himself, like he needs to be telling the medical community <laughs> that he's figured out how like to make like, like a garage, indestructible his, artificial organs. <laughs> and he's supposed to be like ridiculous, the son of the man who has this company, who's probably like a trillionaire. You know, like it's it's very oh complicated gosh. bicentennial. It man. is. He probably has patents on it, and it's like a whole thing about private industry. Yeah. Anyway, um, I also wanted to bring up one other scene in Bicentennial Man <laughs> that bothered me a lot. And the, and I was like, there's a scene where – so there's another robot who's a woman. Her name is Galatea. Yeah. And, well, this is um, how Andrew finds out that Rupert is, like, doing this. Right. It's because he sees Andrew, her. There's a scene where Andrew, like, after he's already been turned into Robin Williams, is annoyed <laughs> at Galatea for, like – singing like she's going around the lab and she's just singing a song she's singing specifically the song from the wizard of oz oh right. and which song and she and then Rops the one the where wizard. it's like is that the one that has like i don't i don't remember which song i'm not gonna hypothesize because i don't remember um but she sings and then like goes off screen and then andrew like looks at rupert and is like do you have an impact drill? And Rupert's like, yeah, it's over there. And then he like takes the impact drill. Andrew takes the impact drill and he goes off screen and then they play sound effects like he's using it. And I'm like, what the fuck, Andrew? Didn't you just decide <laughs> that like robot? You're like, you're a robot who's trying to become human. And the first thing that you do or one of the first things the you, first do, thing is you do is go human like, is, murder is another robot. Does he murder her or does he just like turn her off or does he just make her singing stuff? I don't know what he does, but he just like goes off screen and uses an impact drill on this other robot and i'm like not cool well, that kind of like adds to the whole thing Maybe about that how everyone's his... like oh at base people just want to murder he really other became people a, apparently he really became a human in that moment which is that he yeah, realized that he was a man like oh 100 he realized human, he was a man and he was like you know what patriarchy level 100 i'm just gonna turn <laughs> off this lady that's annoying zero me. to 100 zero to 100 that's what happened when you replaced his organs is all of a sudden he was like patriarchy patriarchy that's what happens uh but i saw that scene and i was like that is like that's pretty fucked up yeah i mean (laughs) yes agreed 100 percent agreed all right shall we go to our discharge summary what should we review should we Um, review i think we should review 
I mean, as as usual, we need to review the the thing that inspired our entire discussion that tangentially is related <laughs> to the bicentennial thing. man. So, <laughs> bicentennial man, and specifically, I guess, like the the organs, the artificial organs situation. All right, I'll give the organs in bicentennial man like a, I'll give it like a three out of ten silver blue clear play school organ. Um, only because it's like it's cool to see them and they're like kind of close to something that's real but also like hashtag needs more explanation or creativity both of those things that's what i'll give it three out of ten play school organs see because i like (laughs) i'm actually surprisingly going to rate it higher than you oh my gosh but it's for the same kind of like reason which is i i would give it like a four out of ten flubber skin putties (laughs) because because like I think I think the the thinking about the artificial organs and kind of like portraying them and stuff is really interesting. Um but yeah, the there's no reason yeah. why he needs artificial organs. And I think that we just didn't like the movie and ostensibly the short story or novelette, which again I have not read, um, doesn't seem to explore that idea very much. Like why? 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 Just why? Just why though. <laughs> Yeah. Just why? Why? Um, and particularly, okay, as I'm talking, maybe I'm going to take away points. Maybe I'll also give it a three because I'm just <laughs> kind of like, the more that I'm talking about it, again, like thinking about like why blood? Why? Yeah. Why blood? Why nervous why system? Any of it? Like, why not just get a software engineer? Honestly, though, it I just think make probably just the skin would have been fine. Right. Because yeah. ultimately he wants to be treated like a human. So like, yes, the looks are important. So he gets the look. But then, like, the rest yeah. of it, like you said, could be – is coding. Maybe right. they were afraid and, they were going to break the emotion coding, which, like – Well, and it's also just the idea to – well, okay. I could buy, like, oh, we're afraid of doing a software update because whatever is manifesting the emotions, like, we don't know where that's coming from. But you should be able to figure it out. It's, like, entirely human-created. But it's also just, like – I don't know. The reasoning for all of it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's like, true. Because even like I can't the believe this 1999 wanting... Disney movie didn't consider these things. <laughs> I know, right? But just like wanting, like to wanting to eat, right? Yeah. Just Me, you don't constantly. need to give a robot a stomach to be like, oh, now you want to eat, right? You just have and to also, come up with a contraption wanting, of where the food goes. Wanting to eat or like wanting to have emotions and feel sensations and stuff also doesn't require a liver and a bladder if you're a robot. There, like. What are those things doing in there? I don't understand. Yeah. Also, what did you remove to, like, re- put those things in there? Fair. What did you remove? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't so, know. So, yeah, maybe I'll take away a point. I'll give it a three also. I was going to maybe give it lower than that the more that we talk about it, but then I was like, no, I'll just stop at three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we have criticized Bicentennial Man <laughs> enough for today. Yes. This 1999 movie. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Docs Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at DocsWatchPod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com.